If you're just tuning in now, you're in for a treat. In the last two episodes, episodes 66 and 67 of Golden Girls Podcast, I've had the honor of interviewing Aditya J. Kumar, certified breathwork practitioner and host of one of the top spiritual podcasts in the world, My Seven Chakras. Aditya is all about bringing ancient wisdom to the world for our modern mind, and today he's bringing it to us, Golden Girls Podcast listeners. In our first episode together, episode 66, we talk about getting into the state of flow, flow versus presence, the role our nervous system plays in our life and why that matters, and how to bring more bliss and playfulness into life every day. In our second episode, episode 67, we dove into a variety of healing modalities and talked about how to create natural altered states of consciousness, from breathwork to flotation, and the science and power behind a brief intermittent hypoxia. Oh my goodness, I really have to practice that one, which is basically just holding your breath. <laughs> I learned about the power of yawning, qigong, and Aditya spoke candidly about the recent resurgence in these ancient practices, the cultural appropriation and cultural distancing that is happening, and the importance and how we can be respectful and conscious in our use of these practices. Now, in this episode, the one you're listening to right now, we talk about three more ancient practices to experience more joy, bliss, presence, and beauty in our life. Aditya speaks about Vedanta, which is something that modern-day neuroscientists love and appreciate, and Ayurvedic oil baths, two practices that were brand new to me. We also talk about plant medicine versus breathwork, and then, my favorite, cold exposure, something I'm becoming borderline evangelical about. And we talk about why the heck you should try it too. And we talk about the importance of integration when it comes to any practice and healing modality and how you can continue your growth beyond the moments you're in it. One of the things I really, really appreciate about Aditya is his way that he blends spirituality with examples and science, biology and neurosciences, so you can really understand how this impacts you on a soul, a body, a mind, and head, heart, all the levels. So if you haven't already, make sure you go listen to the last episodes, 66 and 67. They're juicy, delicious, lots of brilliant spiritual ahas that I know you'll take away and enjoy soaking into your life and and really just reflecting on. One last thing, in this episode, Aditya leads us through a beautiful breathwork practice that you can try if you're new or experienced with breathwork. I know myself, I personally underestimated breathwork, and I gotta say, it is so powerful. Please do not underestimate it. Make sure that you're not driving or doing anything other than relaxing, sitting, or laying down, and allowing yourself the experience of truly consciously connecting with your breath. We also have included the uh, breathwork piece itself in the show notes for you, so you can go back and listen to it again and again. My friend, this is going to be another amazing episode with Aditya because you're going to learn even more simple, practical, proven, evidence-based techniques to help you improve the quality of your life. One last thing, it's impossible to talk about this ancient wisdom without getting spiritual. And I mean, let's be real here, Aditya is one of the top spiritual podcast hosts in the world. There's a chance that not everything we talk about, not everything that he says or I say or questions that we have will make sense right away. And I know that for myself, listening to Aditya speak when I re-recorded the podcast versus me listening to it later, I took away new and different things. I think that's really normal when it comes to a spiritual journey that not everything will land or make sense in the same way as it might the next time. So I basically just want you to be prepared for that, that if you don't understand everything. If not everything lands, that's okay. Sometimes I think it takes time for the right information to come to us. And so whatever lands for you, let it land. Whatever doesn't resonate, just let it roll off and maybe you'll come back to it later. Maybe it'll click later or maybe it's just not for you and that is okay too. 
I invite you to come to this episode and all the episodes and especially your life, ready to receive, ready to listen, ready to use your own personal filter of what works for you and what what's not. So be comfortable with that not landing or resonating. Um, and if you're someone who struggles with trust or with listening to your intuition, this might be a really beautiful practice and a great place to start for you. My friend, I hope that you savor this episode and relish in this breathwork with Aditya. And by the way, he's got a way for you to join in for free, so make sure you listen till the end. Um, and you know, breathwork is something I'm relatively new to, but it's been game changing. So I hope that you enjoy this because it is a simple, practical, proven way that you can integrate um, some improvement into your life really easily. So as with everything that I create, as with everything I know Aditya creates as well, we hope that this serves you. We invite you to dig into these practices and most of all, enjoy. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Let's talk. I think the last couple things we've got here: plant, yeah. mes- plant medicine, Vedanta, yeah, Ayurveda. Uh, Ayurvedic. Did you say Ayurvedic? Is that how you say it? Ayurvedic. Yeah. Ayurvedic. Okay, yeah. I always thought it was Ayurvedic, so I'm gonna have to if, correct me if I'm wrong. Ayurvedic. Yeah. Um. So talk to me a little bit about plant medicine because we know that that's another way to get altered state of consciousness. Yeah. Um. I believe it was episode 45. We had Jennifer Perea, which is amazing, all about yeah. magic mushrooms. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on plant medicine and how this fits into you know, flow, presence, yeah. vitality. Yeah, I think uh, I think plant medicine has its place, but I think breathwork is a more sustainable uh, way to access those places. I think plant medicine provides you the map, but breathwork helps you know, oh, that's where I need to reach. That's where I need to go on a day-to-day basis without any stigma. You don't need that much time because some plant medicine needs six to 12 hours. To sit there, you can't do it in the city. You need to go somewhere out in the farms or maybe in a different country as well. And I think perhaps the most challenging thing with plant medicine right now is that it's not it's not uh, approved by the government. There's a lot of stigma associated with that. Uh, and because of that, people have to do it in secrecy. And because you're doing it in secrecy, you're not able to find the right person to work with because there's such a limitation of supply, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah, you really have to know the person, trust the person. And exactly. There's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, yeah, that's why alcohol has been legalized. That's why yeah. uh, marijuana has been legalized. That's why, yeah. um, actually, I wish I knew more about this. I don't know exactly where the sex industry is, but yeah. it's the same thing. Like, it's still, these things happen. It's whether it happens in a safe way or not. Yeah, exactly. And so because there's so much of limited supply and people are getting to know about uh, the people the, you know the shamans or places where you can experience things like mushroom medicine in secrecy through whatsapp messages you're not there's a quality control issue i feel mm-hmm. that happens over there whereas if the government openly supported it right then you could pick and choose and see the experience level of one person and see what type of clients they worked with i think that would be a, such a different state altogether right because then you can voluntarily go and have a level of control there 
So mm. I think that's the biggest challenge right now. I do feel that it has its place, but I feel one of the most important things coming back to the same theme is set and setting. Right. You need to be in the right frame of mind. and it has to be the right time in your life to experience a type of plant medicine you need to know what you're getting into in the first place because it can get wild uh it's not always a good 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 experience it can be a lot of trauma that's wanting to come out purging vomiting crying shouting is all part of the experiences and also maybe you're not in the right group because you're in a very vulnerable position when you're having plant medicine you're zonked in a different place altogether so god forbid that you're taken advantage of when you're in that state right so it's such a difficult thing to choose and bless the souls who are in the right community and know exactly where to go if that works for you great but if not and breathwork is here to save the day because <laughs> yeah. you, you know you can you can do it anywhere you want breathwork you can do it in your home you can do it in your friend's home there's no stigma involved yeah. and the, the recovery is immediate you can just walk up and go do your groceries so that's where i'm coming from yeah uh, i have tried uh, magic mushrooms and i i feel that it was an experience that i needed at that point uh and it did show me a lot and there were a lot of profound lessons that i learned from it and i noted it down the good thing about things like magic mushrooms is that you're not craving another one you know immediately next month or things like that you can go like for years together as long as at a soul level you received the medicine that you need the medicine is not just physiological right the medicine is um is the message a lot of times uh so a lot of people that i've spoken with that are advocates of plant medicine uh also speak of the integration piece being really important oh yeah and i would i would actually think you know i'd argue that that probably goes with everything that we're talking about right like yeah you, you know you don't just go into a flotation tank and then as soon as you leave you know forget about everything you just experienced right. everything you learned right yeah. same thing with even breathwork like yeah. i was able to sh- i still remember some of the profound for lack of a better word, you know, downloads that I had while in that and then it's yeah. now as my practice to continue to integrate it and I would imagine the same thing for for plant medicine. It's one thing uh to see the map, to follow your analogy, it's another thing then to actually start to use the map in your day-to-day life. Yeah. And I think that's the part that we kind of that that's really really important that we don't want to lose sight of integration of whatever you are. Yeah. Whatever healing is happening, whatever, you know, um uh, mantras or affirmations that come to you or awakenings that we actually then can pull that into our everyday life. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's very very true. Or like some people say, right? Like you can either bring your meditation to everyday life or your everyday life can be a meditation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think the I think the sages and the mystics for them everyday life is a meditation itself. It's like there's no disconnection between life and meditation being on the mat versus being off the mat your interaction can be a yoga your work can be a yoga right yeah. karma yoga it's called karma yoga ah. in india because your work your actions is a yoga hatha yoga is just one part of yoga right because there are so many different gyana yoga is the knowledge of yoga hatha hat, you know karma yoga is the action of yoga where your every, every action becomes very yogic in a sense Yeah, so it's like a lot of philosophy also. Amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that will also resonate because I think most of us have probably been to a yoga class and yeah. you've heard the phrase of like the yoga doesn't end when you get off your mat. Yes. The yoga begins when you leave the room or when you have a hard conversation or when you have to right. go home and you have yeah. to do a million things pulling at you or work is really stressful like that's where the yoga begins, right? Yeah. So I think yeah. So good. 
Okay, how about Vedanta, which is something I've never heard about. Mm. What is Vedanta? Oh, Vedanta also is a huge topic. Vedanta, <laughs> all these are all these are huge topics. All right, you have to come back for like these other, yeah, to go deeper. Like, yeah, maybe just like a if there's a way to kind of Cole's notes it. Yeah, yeah. Just to like share a little bit because I I think that anybody listening is probably going to have some intu- intuition around like oh this calls me I'm interested in learning more or this is something oh, yeah. you know you know I think that. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Vedanta is uh, is made of two words, Sanskrit words, Veda and Anta. Anta means in the end, and Veda are these very um, wisdom books, basically. And you had the four Vedas in India. You had the Rig Veda, you had the Atharva Veda, you had the Sama Veda, and you had the Yajur Veda. This was an antiquity, many thousands of years back. These were uh, basically high-level wisdom that the sages wrote after deep contemplation, breath work, and you know all these different things that they went through. They wrote it, right? Now, Vedanta means Vedanta is the ultimate culmination, the nectar of all these books. It's like if you are to forget everything else, Vedanta is the ultimate philosophy. So Vedanta is also called the Upanishads. Upa, upa means to sit in front of. And nish, uh, sorry, uh, up, uh, Nishad means to, I think, sit in front of the Guru. So basically Upanishads is, you know, it, it, like let's say you and me do not have time, but I had to communicate to you the essence of life within like five minutes. That's Vedanta and Upanishads. So that's, so, you know, and so, and, and a lot of Vedanta is, like if you want a shorter version of the Vedanta, it is there in the Bhagavad Gita, which is uh, the the um, the sacred book of India of Indians. So so that so that's what it is. So basically, long story short, it's a summary of the ultimate nectar of wisdom of India is Vedanta. So uh, so basically, it it is a philosophy for life. It's about understanding who we truly are. Not through uh, belief, not through faith, but through self-inquiry. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. For anybody wondering, so we, I always pull a uh, Danielle Laporte truth bomb card right before we hit record. And it yeah. always has some moment in here. Aditya, what does the card say? Freedom, worship, inquiry. Right? So not through worship. But Vedanta encourages you to worship yourself because Vedanta teaches you or encourages you to discover who yourself is. And the lack of knowledge of self is ultimately why we feel sad. Right? Because if we truly knew who the self is, then we would not have all the sadness. We would not have this very weird relation that relationship we have with death right i feel that we don't spend enough time thinking about death and then ultimately when we experience death or like a closed one then we have that outburst of trauma and sadness partly because we've lost that person but also partly because we don't know what it's going to happen to that person in the afterlife is that person just reduced to uh, bones and, and flesh or is the person something else does the life continue and transcend beyond this physical life, right? So that's what Vedanta is all about. So Vedanta is very scientific in its approach. What does science do? It has a certain hypothesis and there are a lot of experiments that are conducted 
until you figure out what the truth is. And then if you're able to replicate that experience or that result, that is science. Vedanta has a very similar approach. It's like various uh, various uh, questions that you can ask yourself to say no, 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 and then come to a conclusion. So for example, it says, are you your thoughts? No, you can't be your thoughts because sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm sad, sometimes I'm jubilant. So because I'm that is that is fluctuating, that cannot be me. So then you go, are you your emotions? Are you your body? No, well, I cannot be my body because like 30 years back, I was much smaller. But now I'm bigger. Uh, maybe when I'm 60, my, my body texture is going to change. So I'm not my body, right? So then you come to a conclusion of you are not your body, you're not your thoughts, you're not your emotions. You are the witness that is observing all of this transpire. And that puts you in a place of more power because you realize that no matter what happens to you, even if you die, you there'll still be that observer who's going to witness everything that is unfolding. So it's like, it's a very uh, beautiful journey to go through, especially for somebody who is grieving because they realize that through these experiments that the person who was with them all their life is still with them. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it can be incredibly healing also. Wow, amazing. That And you said this, I've you said a lot of modern day neuroscientists. Oh yeah. Also really love and appreciate Vedanta. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because uh, uh, traditional science is very reductionist in nature, right? Because we're always trying to deduce big from small. This is made of this. This is made of this. Right. Right. Molecules are made of atoms, correct? Atoms are made of something smaller and something smaller and something. But at a certain point, they're not able to identify how small it goes. Right. And at what point do you arrive at consciousness? They're not able to understand the consciousness. Like in your body, where is consciousness stored? Right. And, uh, like, what is this consciousness that creates these emotions that are so nuanced? Like we give words to co- emotions, but at the end of the day, it's it's like it's like so it's gray. It's not black and white. Your happiness might be different from my version of happiness because it's very mixed, right? So they are not able to fathom or even calculate or even quantify <laughs> emotions. It's very difficult. We're not able to quantify a subjective experience. Me objectively can make an attempt. To understand what you are going through, but only you will truly know what you are subjectively going through. All right, so so that's why the that is called the conundrum or the hard problem of consciousness, because they are not able to identify where is consciousness located. They are not able to replicate. Like uh, Elon Musk is, is using Neuralink to try to install some chip into a human being, and his hypothesis is that he will be able to keep you alive forever even though your physical body dies but then the question becomes the ultimate question is what is consciousness right yes if consciousness is never objective then he'll never be able to be successful because consciousness is a very subjective experience and so the reason why they are so fascinated with vedanta is because vedanta says that consciousness is a fundamental aspect of life before the buildings, before creation itself, there was consciousness. And then that consciousness somehow maybe divided, replicated, created multiple different smaller consciousnesses. And that's how things emerged. That's how life emerged. 
that is, so that is why it's very fascinating because it goes against the traditional viewpoint of science which is very reductionist in nature and then we emerge into a very quantum based approach to science so amazing oh my gosh. i know I, i'm not using the right lexicon or and maybe scientists would be doing a much better job at me but i'm just making an attempt no to... you're doing a great job <laughs> like such a good job super interesting and like it um just expands even just you sharing this like i feel oh, yeah. consciousness expanding and like the yeah the inquiry and the curiosity and the yeah. mystique that still is in our world that's i think really exciting i think if we understood everything it would yeah yeah what, what would we do then no more inquiry no more curiosity it would I, I think that's part of what gives us life right exactly and yeah. that is what uh, you know even Indi- hinduism is all about a lot of people think hinduism is about faith but it's actually about inquiry mm-hmm. that's the ultimate foundational piece about uh, about hinduism if you might even put it that way because the first hymn of the rig veda which is the first vedas is called the nasatiya sukta and that hymn is all about questions imagine people like 7000 6000 years back writing this hymn about what is the sky what is the earth you know what is this tree who is god and you know how it ends even even god might not know who is god so then it's like this ultimate rebel the ultimate right <laughs> A renegade about not uh, believing anything but just asking questions because of the assumption that nobody has the ultimate knowledge or truth we are all uh, you know trying to figure out life right yeah so i think that's a good good state to believe in because then you're not depending on authorities and somebody who has the ultimate truth you're like sure you have some truth i have some truth and maybe we can share and and come to a closer version of truth Yes, I mean that's so needed in the world. Oh yeah. So needed in every aspect of the world, I think especially right now. Exactly. Is, yeah, being able to recognize that we all have pieces of the truth. Right? And that it's yeah, it's shared shared open dialogue, conversation, mm-hmm. um connection that really helps us to Yeah. to to move. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that all day. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about uh cold exposure, which I know you're a big fan of, and I yeah. just showed Aditya I literally and like 20 minutes before he came maybe not even finished putting together my cold tub on the patio so I haven't even been in it. Yeah. I my body feels chill just looking at it, but I am a huge advocate of cold showers. Um yeah, I mean you can look on my Instagram stories for more on that. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of great resources. But I I'm a believer in cold therapy. What about you? Like I need to what are you like what do you find really powerful about cold therapy? Um is there anything that's helped you get into it? Oh yeah. Uh So for me also you know when it comes to cold exposure i think a, a key influential figure was wim hof i mean who doesn't right if yeah. you're into cold like wim hof is yeah 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 and uh, starting point yeah exactly uh i think cold does a lot of things for me at a physiological and a philosophical level also i was inspired by his journey of uh, i think losing his wife at a certain point and having to take care of his children all by himself and somewhere down the line i feel that i might i might need that information in the future i just had an intuitive hit you know and so for me cold what cold does is like wim hof says right you can live your life either in two ways either you can wait for problems to come into your life you can wait for trauma to come into your life or you can traumatize yourself every morning a little bit so that you have a whole body readiness to confront that fear to confront the trauma 
to confront that difficulty. And I personally would like to have it the second way around. I'd like to be prepared. It's better to be a warrior in the garden than to be a gardener in the war. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And so that for me does it, you know, because every morning it's not like I love to go into the cold water, but it's like this process of getting myself ready and then experiencing the reward of these endorphins, these feel-good hormones, adrenaline rush coming out of it, that's addictive and that's a good addiction. So that for me is is is, is what the cold does. But also, uh, not sure if you know this, but cold water, cold exposure changes the type of fat that is in your body, right? So we normally have, I think, white fat, but then when you expose yourself to more cold, you're training your body to create what is called brown fat. And brown fat uh, is brown because it has a concentration of iron, if I'm not mistaken. One of these things. But it's good for you. Yes, I know. I'm like, all I know is brown fat good. Yeah. <laughs> Cold water. Yeah, that's all. That's what I, That's my extent of knowledge on this. Exactly. And so what it does is because you have brown fat and because your body is producing brown fat, you're shivering less. That's one of the characteristics of brown fat. So when I come out of the cold shower, I'm not shivering as much as I used to before. Like <laughs> That's your body's way of generating heat. Right? Yeah. But then it's like it's a different type of fat. And, you, and you're also so much more prepared um, at a physiological level that you don't shiver that much. So that, that's what it does for me. Also, being in the cold, it's like this huge uh, rush of, of blood as well. So you're boosting your blood circulation and your uh, lymphatic system also it's flushing all that stuff that is no longer needed to be in the body so all of that is happening just through a cold shower and i find that it does wonders for me but also i'm sensing that if i were to do it you know with a larger group it's a great community event right it's like a sense of togetherness if you look at it from the standpoint of uh, the hero's journey Right. Tell me more. Exactly. So, hero's journey is something that I'm think I I think a lot of people are familiar with because everyone goes to the movies. But there's a set narrative that is there in each and every movie, which is why, on a psychological level, we are drawn to it. Each of us feels we sort of know that there's a hero within us, but maybe that hero is sort of dormant or maybe not ready to experience that encounter. But every once in a while, when we go through a challenge, a difficult situation, a frustrating situation, or maybe a, uh, a traumatic situation as well, when we come out of it, we feel like we've accomplished something huge. And so for me, it's like when I go into the cold shower or maybe when I go into the cold ocean, for example, when I come out, I feel like I have won a little battle, a small battle. But I feel great. I f- and also, it, I think it builds self-love also because you start respecting yourself a bit more. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Right. Absolutely, yes. Every time I do it, I, I the psychological and the physiological, like both of those are so key. Like right. it feels incredible afterwards, but also I just feel tough. I feel stronger. I feel yeah. more like oh, I, I I agree with the love piece, or like I'm I'm doing this to thrive for myself. Yeah. It just feels empowering and yeah. incredible. And it's such like the opposite, you know, the float tank is like remove all stimulation. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find for cold, it's just like this sudden rush of like, holy F-bombs. Like it yeah. is like so intense and yeah. they're just two very different experiences, yeah. but both incredible in their own way. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we wrap up on this, these pieces, let's talk about 
Ayurve- Ayurvedic, is that my saying? Ayurvedic, right? yeah. Ayurvedic oil baths. I've never heard of them, mm-hmm. but I'm very curious. Uh, Ayurveda is something I've heard of over the years. Yeah. Um, and kind of similar to how I was saying about breathwork, never could find it lining up. Yeah. All of a sudden, I looked up my Ayurvedic type a few months ago. Yeah. Maybe even like a, six weeks ago or something, very recently. Yeah. And in the past, it never resonated. I was always like, okay, maybe for somebody else. And this time I read it, and it was spot on and so fascinating. So. Right. Yeah, That's and then awesome. here you are telling me about Ayurvedic oil baths. So let's yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us what you, yeah. what you want to share. Well, Ayurvedic oil baths, as the name suggests, involves oil. <laughs> but you're not showering in oil, right? You're giving yourself a massage with the oil. Because the truth is, especially for people living in the Northern Hemisphere, where it tends to get cold and dry a lot of times, our body and our skin craves this oil. And maybe you put cream and things like that, which is great. But sometimes oil is a very direct way to provide more nourishment and texture to our skin, mm. right? And so that's exactly what it is. Uh, it's called Abhyanga. That's the actual name for Ayurvedic oil baths. Abhyanga. Abhyanga. And Abhyanga literally means self-love. And so what you're doing essentially is you're not just putting oil, you're putting the oil, but also you're massaging yourself, right? And maybe not everyone can afford to get a uh, masseuse massage them an RMT massage them every week uh, and for that I feel that uh, oil baths is a very um, affordable way to express self-love but also to give some stimulation to your muscles to your joints to your ligaments uh, and improving blood circulation improving the lymphatic system right and so you do these strokes both circular and straight as well uh, and so the way it works is uh, generally you choose what oil you want to get. Uh, there are different types of oils depending on the type of the year, uh, time of the year. Mm, so okay. Depending on if it's a summer season, you would a certain oil. Winter season, you use a certain oil. Or if you prefer, for me, I prefer coconut oil and a little bit sesame oil. I mix it up. I heat it up a bit so it's a little bit warm, not hot, but warm oil. And then you apply the oil on your body. Right? All over your body, hair, Right? Maybe a little bit on a year's also. Even my hair, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Depending <laughs> if you can manage it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and 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 I would suggest also test the oil first if you have a history of sensitivity to skin. Uh, but yeah, just really uh, um, um, you know apply the oil, massage yourself, and also you can use some affirmations and words of uh, love while you're doing the oil massage. You can play some nice music, right? You can make it a whole ritual if you want to. It can be wow. as fast or as slow as you want. But basically, after you apply the oil, spend about 15, 20 minutes allowing the oil to sink in, allowing it to seep in. And then after that, you can have a hot shower. Um, and then if you want to take it to the next level, then you can use an Ayurvedic powder that's called Shikakai. And what that does is, it's really good, like a, what do you call, lubricant, but also it helps get the oil off your skin surface. Uh, yeah, so you put a shikakai, it's a powder, put it on your body, put it on your hair. For the body, just double check if, it, if it's good for you, so test it on a small part of your skin. For me, it's good, so I put it on the body. And then you have the uh, warm shower, and that's it, you just relax after that. You feel oh, so relaxed amazing. after that. This sounds so good. Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, incredible. So I hope that like all these things, you know, we're sharing as ideas mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you have to do all of them every day or all of them every week yeah. or anything like that. Like 
I think a big part of what we're what the overarching purpose of this episode these episodes are is to really guide you with some suggestions mm-hmm. and ultimately trusting in yourself to figure out what's right for you so thank you so much for sharing so many different ideas and you know giving us a bit of a buffet to intuitively pra- this is a great place to practice intuition and say yeah which one speaks to me where do i want to start what do i want to try okay so obviously this conversation's been really deep and profound and spiritual and i've got a few last questions i just want to open up some discussion on around spirituality uh first one curious about what you've what you i guess your beliefs and then give some stories on this around guides ancestors and you know how that shows up in your life Mm. uh you know like i said before the visible not visible visible uh word that we live in is just a small sliver of the entire existence. And I think the more you do breath work and maybe some plant medicine, we sort of get a f- fragment or an understanding um, of firstly how little we know, but also how little we see. Because what we see is a visible spectrum, right? And based on what we are seeing and based on what we are sensing, we assume that that is reality. But the truth is, and the more we you know, get into Vedanta or maybe quantum physics, we realize that uh, existence happens not just on this plane, but there are different planes of existence, different dimensions. Like I like the work of Michio Kaku. Have you heard of him? No. Well, he's a scientist. He's a physicist. But he delves into all these different aspects of what is possible. He did an interview on Tim Ferriss's podcast. He spoke about alternate timelines, alternate realities, alternate dimensions, parallel realities. There are so many different things that we, uh, for some reason, have not considered. But deep down, we know that maybe that's possible, you know. And, um, you know, there is a spirituality attached to it. But we all know that any advanced technology, any advanced technology can be seen as a miracle, if that makes sense. So they're basically saying there's a lot of things that we don't quite understand, right? And 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 my theory is that when somebody departs uh, from the physical world, they still exist, but they exist on different planes and different levels. And, and, and if there's a resonance or if there is an energetic connection still between us and them, let's say, for example, our ancestors or maybe our spirit guides, then we're able, they're able to transmit some information from to us and back and forth, things like that, right? And I feel that that transmission becomes easier the more activated our energy is, if, if that makes sense, the more subtle our energy becomes. Because our body, especially different parts of our body and our third eye, they're like transistors. We're just tuning from one radio station to the other. And most of the time it's noise. And then we pick up on a radio station, right? So that's what it is. And even our spirit guides can sense this, right? And when they sense that we are, our energies are now purified and we're able to sense a lot of different things, 
then they are more encouraged to pass on a message, a synchronicity, a sign. It doesn't happen always through just words. Maybe, right? You know, you, you just, you're just going and uh, doing your work and you see 11-11 and you see, and you're like, okay, fine. But then you see 11-11 again and maybe the second day and you keep seeing it. That is when maybe there's some type of message that they're trying to pass on to you. So to me, uh, you know, the parents that you're born with and our brothers and sisters and relatives even um, because souls are timeless, right? There's no age for souls. But we have decided consciously to manifest here on earth and we've decided the roles that we're going to play also. We're like, you know, you're going to be my mother in this lifetime. Next lifetime, I'm going to be your mom. So that interchanges also depending on what lessons that we crave to learn. Now, the lessons are not always positive because um, f from the place where there's no time and space, that rhymes, from the place where there's no time and space, <laughs> you know, there's no good and bad. They're just lessons. Sometimes we want to learn the lesson behind failing and winning, like seeing huge success. Sometimes we want to learn the experience of having a breakup or a divorce. That's also a lesson. It's only here that we make give meaning to you know what happens. Oh, that's a bad experience. But at a soul level, we are always craving experiences, no matter what the experience is. And so, so then we decide, okay, you're going to be my mom, you're going to be my dad, and that all of that is written, I believe, in the uh, in the akashic records. And some people can read them all extensively, right? So, so that's what happens. And uh, so we manifest here on earth. We play play our roles, and we do have, I believe freedom of free will so we can decide uh, this is a situation but then ultimately the decision is up to us whether we say yes or no and what decision we take at every interjection right so that so that is um that is i feel how we're connected if we are really connected to somebody during this life and then they pass away somehow some way we still have some connection with them and they pass on messages to us also and you got some messages in a flotation tank from your mother. Uh, not in the flotation tank. No, not in the flotation tank. Okay. No, no. So basically for, you know, your your listeners who don't know. So I am, so my mom uh, departed from her physical self last year. And I say, I, I, I make it specific. I don't say die or something like that. I say she departed from her physical self because we have an understanding, right? People who are deeply spiritual they understand that that's not how it works. A person just doesn't die and then that's the physical body. No, the physical body is, is like a car. It's a vehicle that we use for a limited period of time. And then we, we move from one vehicle to the other. So anyway, so that happened. But then, uh, and, and, and I was deep into my understanding of Vedanta also. Now that, that really helps, you know, put things into perspective. But basically, when I was coming back from home, one evening, it was... Uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, it was dark, and this was in the month of, I think, maybe May. This was May. And so, <clears throat> at that time, I uh, communicated to my mom, and I said that if you can hear me, or if you can hear this message, if you, you can sense my intentions and emotions, and send me a sign, you know. And I felt that the message had gone through very clearly, but I was not attached to receiving the message immediately. And so then I cross the road and the first thing I look at, I look right, all right. And so on the board across the street, what I see is uh, the board, the words, two words, uh, mother and India. This is mother India. 
you know and so that for me was not just a sign but it was a conclusive sign that she was communicating with me because it's not just mother right mother can be anywhere but it says mother india which for me was a definite sign that she was trying to pass on the message to me that everything is good everything is fine oh my gosh so powerful yeah so so amazing yeah i i think this is uh i don't um I come from like the very like Western model of what, mm. you know, quote, death looks like. So I'm yeah. always so open and love to hear these stories of connection yeah. and, and that. And I've, I don't know a lot, but I have witnessed uh, two people where their physical body, oh, sorry, where, how did you say it? Their spiritual, how do you, how do you describe that? When they, when I would say they, they passed away. Oh, okay, okay, say, okay. What was the phrase that you used? Physically departed. Physically departed. Okay. So I've been there when two yeah. people have physically departed. Yeah. And in both situations, and I, I, let me say this is also, um, I was, they were people that were older in life. They were people that had, you know, it was not a traumatic situation. Mm-hmm. So there is, I, I recognize some blessing in, in that experience. Um, but it was really interesting because the one that passed away, as soon as she passed away, and before we could even, or her, she physically departed, her, we didn't even, hadn't even realized that she'd stopped breathing but her dog had left from right beside her side and went running and barking to the door and the window. Like, and that mm. after once that happened, we then looked back and realized she had physically departed. Oh, and it was okay. so incredible, like really just um, yeah, really special moment. And then um, another another person that I've seen physically depart. It was really interesting because for days leading up to they'd asked about the sunshine like and and this was in January in on Vancouver Island, so there's not a lot mm-hmm. of sun, you know. Um and every day they were like is it sunny? Is it sunny? And we're like no, it's not sunny and every day they would ask that question. And um and one morning the sun started to come out and we got the call from the hospital saying this is, you know, it's just oh, okay. going a turn is going coming and we're driving to the hospital, it's a 4 minute drive and the Beatles song Here Comes the Sun comes on. Mm. And we go into the the hospital room, and the sun is shining, and we're there. And within moments, you know, she had physically departed. Right. And so I've always just had like this uh, curiosity and reverence, and a lot of like respect for what I do see, and also like awareness and reverence for what I what I don't see, what I don't know, what's still kind of mm. mystery. And um, yeah, so I just. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have anything else to contribute besides that, but I really appreciate like hearing that. And um, I've never tried sending messages, but I think I'm going to try now because, yeah, yeah that's, you just inspired me on that. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, every soul has a journey and uh, the journey does not stop. It, you know, it keeps, keeps going. Uh, and sometimes if you don't hear a message back, that's probably because it's the best for them maybe less distraction so that they can be in a state of flow in their other journey, right? So I'll leave it up to the universe to to pass me any information that I might need uh, along my own journey, right? Yeah, so yeah. much trust, yeah. Uh, so why do, you, why do you believe we're here on Earth? Uh, Another, like, nice, easy question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the Earth is a spiritual playground because you can only learn uh, certain lessons on earth compared to where we are from because where we are from there is no time and there is no place 
So if there's no time, you know, you can't you can't really grow. Use because for some reason I've learned and I've read that you need that that experience of elapsing of time in order to have these lessons of sadness and guilt and happiness and joy and bliss and all these wonderful variety we say we say some are you know good and bad but from the place that we are there's no good and bad there's no yin and yang yin and yang was only created so that we can experience the polarity of life because it is only when we experience the deep darkness and the despair and the sadness can we appreciate the true happiness and joy we can't we can't estimate how good something is unless we know how bad something can get and i think for me that is the that is the purpose of life because we can experience such a spectrum of life experiences that are not available uh, in that place where we are from because at that place everything is joyful blissful ananda right if everything is ananda it's good it's very nice but then there's no learning there's no there's no growth i feel at a spiritual level and that's why all these spiritual masters say that if you're going through suffering or challenges and despair maybe that's a gift you know some people you say that person is so unlucky right this is happens that is actually a gift because these spiritual wise masters on earth a lot of times they find ways to experience difficulty penance like they put themselves through you know difficulties of not having food and walking bare feet and um, seeking arms from people because they're putting themselves through so much of difficulty because they wanted they want the universe to test themselves enough so that when the test comes in the future they're they're ready they're prepared does that make sense so i think it does it's almost like the ice bath mm. how the ice bath yeah, is yeah. preparing us yeah. right for yeah. our day yeah you're saying our experience on earth it is preparing, is preparing us. us for greater consciousness something yeah just just i think yeah exactly perspective because you know death is following us around everywhere whether we want it or not right there are cells in our body that are dying all the time we have cancer cells created every day and the, but then they are destroyed also because of our immune system uh when we go on to a fast the only reason why the fasting is good for us is because of autophagy and autophagy literally means uh, auto is i think automatic and, and i think phagy means to die so it's like the cellular death uh, and and renewment so uh, so to speak is why fasting is so useful and important uh, when we are holding our breath expirar that means you're experiencing death for a short period of time right and when we're uh, you know going in the cold water that is in a way death right because not no normal sane human being <laughs> would plunge themselves into the cold cold water unless they see some kind of benefit spiritual significance from it so i think you know all these practices are in a way giving us a glimpse of death so that when it does happen we're ready for it mm so good <laughs> so good i feel like these practices are like pieces of the human experience that we're meant to go through you know like mm. repair the the cold plunge is bringing you that strength and the holding your breath is bringing you closer to death and yeah. the you know the ayurvedic oil bath is bringing you closer to self love like it's kind yeah. of almost like a culmination or like a way to distill down the like life lessons into practices and into moments that we can continue to incorporate Yeah, I think so too for sure. Uh, 
Okay. What is your, what's your theory of reality? I know this is something you wanted to share. Yeah. yeah. You've never shared before. So. Uh, well, I've I already shared some of the theories of my understanding of reality, but for me, um, you know, the, you know, the, some of the uh, scientists and Elon Musk is also saying that we're living in a simulation, right? But to be honest, that's not like a new theory that, that has been propounded for times, times immemorial because the ancient wisdom, uh, at least in India, you should say everything is Maya, which is everything is an illusion. And so they knew at a deep down level that what we're living right now is, is sort of like a simulation, is like a, an illusion, so to speak. And what I think and what I believe is that we are living this life from a different, maybe a different planet or maybe a different uh, dimension or maybe we're just uh, children who are playing video games, you know, and then the, and the child gets bored of that video game and, you know, the lights come on and we're in, a, we're in a different place, you know. So maybe that's a thought experiment, maybe that's a belief, or maybe that's something that I want to learn more of, but that is sort of, I think, what is happening here. You know, because uh, the visible spectrum or what we're, the data that we're getting from our from our um, sense, senses is very transient. It's very transient, yeah, so. Yeah, I, f- I feel that that's so, so cool. Something just to, definitely to think on, reflect on. Um, I picked up my phone at one point this morning and looked at Instagram. Yeah. And just had this moment and where I just felt like this is just not real. Mm. I did, like, it was such an interesting yeah. hit. And I think that social media is a really easy one to kind of pick up on. That, yeah. Actually, let me say this. I think social media is really hard to recognize. But once you see that it's not real. Yeah. Um, you can't unsee it. Yeah. And when, you know what I mean? Like once you can detach from both the reality of what you're putting out there yeah. and of what you're viewing and seeing, once yeah. you can detach and see like that's not real, Yeah. I think that you can't unsee it. You can never go yeah. backwards and think like this is a hundred, you never think, oh, I was wrong. This actually is real life. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. And so yeah. I think we're just like constantly looking at like oh, what else is not real? What else is not real? Like what yeah. else is, when what is real? Yeah. Are I think important questions to, yeah, to to discern for ourselves and figure out what that what the meaning is. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I I would also say that this would be an invitation for people to detach, but don't escape, right? Because mm-hmm. there are two ways of living life. You can either escape into the, into the mountains because you know that this is false, all of this is an illusion, or you can recognize that this is an illusion and enjoy this illusion, right? So that would mean. Not being attached to social media, but doing really well in social media. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean you stop doing social media, but you don't be attached to the results, yeah. the metrics, the likes, and the comments. But you do really well in social media, right? Because that ultimately is a tool. And you can use social media to do good, like we're doing right now through this podcast. And you can use blogs, and you can use media. You can use conscious media, right? Mm-hmm. Media can actually be used to empower people and to put people into a state of pronoia. You know what's pronoia? No. So paranoia is the opposite, right? Okay. Isn't that, doesn't that just say something that I've never even heard of, the opposite of paranoia? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So paranoia is like, you know, you're always thinking something's wrong, something's yeah. bad in the world, right? Yeah. You're always paranoid about So paranoia is the opposite thing where you are always wondering something good in the world is happening. You know, there's something amazing. There's some secret conspiracy for somebody to do good to me. <laughs> you know, mm. that's like paranoia. 
So uh, what I'm saying is this media outlets can actually use um, use their resources, platforms to do good for the world. But that's not profitable. That's why, you know, it's it's only when we stimulate our sympathetic nervous system and fear and paranoia and worry. And that's when when you put people against people and you lead when you create divisiveness, that's when you that's when, unfortunately, uh, these people uh, realize that there's only profit. Yeah, because that's you the know? state that gets us into. I mean, that and that's what this whole podcast is trying to get us out of. Right, is a state of burnout, state of anxiety, mm-hmm. and to move us out of that, um, the heaviness of like the world and yeah. and out of it. So yeah, yeah, I appreciate that through mediums like this, we can hopefully shift that and and change it. Nice. Yes, um, me too. Let's do. Can we do the breath work? I feel like yeah. I'm very excited for this. I know you normally yeah. do it with music, so I'm making you improvise here, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you tell me what to do. How should I sit? Tell me all the things. I'm very excited. Yeah. Oh, by the we should probably say don't drive right now, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> don't drive and uh, try to do this technique when you're when you're at home or whether there's where there's no no one to disturb you. But this is a very simple technique. This is not a very engaged or perhaps involved uh, technique as you know some of the breathwork sessions can be and in fact this won't have any breath hold as well okay can i i, I should i can can i take this snippet and also yeah. just add it as a separate audio yeah. into the show notes that yeah. way people also just want to that's a good idea have yeah. a two minute or three yeah. minute i'm like a hit of breathwork i don't know yeah, if it's yeah, appropriate yeah. but yeah. yeah okay great okay so we'll have it as a separate um, resource too if you want to come yeah. back and listen to it another time yeah 100 percent. thank you so this is a very simple technique. It is the Om chanting technique. And so uh, the mantra that we'll, we'll be using is Om. And so basically what we'll be doing is we'll be dividing the mantra into three parts. A, U, and the last part, the MMM part. Mm, a, U, mm. And so what we'll be doing is we'll be visualizing... Uh, our energy centers. So the first energy center is at the base of our spine, right? Uh, so just you'll be visualizing a red color over there, right? The base of the spine. Uh, the second area that we'll be focusing on is the heart, okay? So not the physical heart, but the spiritual heart at literally the center of the chest, green color. And the third area will be the third eye, which is the which is between the eyebrows, slightly above. So here, yeah. and be visualizing a, an indigo color. Right. So you'll be visualizing a color, but also you'll be chanting a particular tone. So when you visualize the root chakra, you'll be saying ah. When you visualize the heart chakra, you'll be you'll be saying ooh ooh. And when you visualize the third eye, you'll be saying mm, right. And so uh, an invitation is for everyone doing this to actually project the sound into these areas when you are when you're chanting the tones. Right? And so usually I, I, I add counting, but since we're not counting here, we'll just go approximate. We'll be taking a deep breath in through the nose and then we'll be doing ah, ooh, and then mm, right. And to make it even more effective, what I would recommend is that you touch, take your tongue and touch it to the roof of your palate. 
Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. We'll try it. Yeah, yeah, I think we can do this. And also, to really enhance it, I would suggest you using one of the mudras. Mudras are basically you touching your fingertips. You're touching your thumb to your uh, first index finger. Or you can, or you can touch your thumb to your index and middle finger. There are different mudras, and you know each one of them is healing, right? So, thumb to your index finger. Right? So, wherever you are, find yourself in a comfortable position with your back straight, shoulders slightly relaxed, and just focus on your breathing as you breathe in and out. Right, in through your nose, out through your mouth, really relax. We're going to take a nice deep breath in now through the nose, fully in, and begin. Fully in through the nose once again. Uh, at the root, uh, at the heart, uh, third eye. Deep inhale, fully in, filling the belly. Final time, nice deep breath in. And you can gently open your eyes. And come back to the present moment. Wow. So amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. I decided to let your chanting be the guide. It's so powerful even just to sit and listen. You know, there's... We might have to do a whole other podcast on like sound healing and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> we didn't yeah, even yeah. talk about that. Um, but there really is something about the frequency and the... Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Thank you. I'm definitely going to go do that by myself later. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) I love it. Now, you have a super special offer for everybody that is listening as well. Can you share that for us? Yeah. Uh, So basically, uh, I do these breathwork journeys on Zooms so that people who are living in other areas, different parts of the world, can attend as well. Uh, 
and so my invitation is for everyone who is listening to this podcast to join me for a Zoom session on a Sunday morning. We meet at 8.30 a.m. Pacific. That's 11.30 a.m. Eastern. And so, you know, whether you've done breathwork in the past or maybe this is your first time, you're really excited, you liked what we spoke about and you want to join us for a breathwork session and maybe Lisa and I will plan some in-person sessions as well in the future in Vancouver for people living in Vancouver. But for now, I'd love to provide you a free ticket for my next breathwork journey online. Um, yeah, I'd love to connect with all of you. And Thank the link you. is... Uh, yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes for perfect. you. It's my 7 slash breathwork experience. Mm. And then the promo code is HEAL2022. So my 7 chakras, which is aditjaspodcast.com slash breathwork experience, promo code HEAL2022. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes. That's very generous. Thank you so much. And I know uh, there'll be information on there too, learning more, because you have a whole course, uh, Burnout to Bliss, that... Uh, I know you go even deeper into all of this. so But thank you for that generous offer. Yeah. Okay, I got the last couple of golden girls. We call them the rapid fire questions. So like really nice, quick, easy questions. Uh, not like, you know, what it, what's our purpose here on earth? <laughs> <laughs> um, what is a goal that you're working on right now? Real estate. <laughs> I got to get my first home. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So good. And I meant to say, I loved what you said about the root chakra too. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool. Really good. Um, what's the best lesson that you learned in the last year? In the last year is to spend as much time in parasympathetic dominance. So uh, cold showers, um, you know, flotation therapy. That's my lesson, you know. Do as much as I can so that I can show up in a better way. Mm, cool. Um, what's something in your life that you've changed your mind about? That's a tough one. Maybe that one wasn't easy. I swear the next one is. <laughs> what have I changed my mind about? Oh, yeah. You know, initially, I had very strong opinions about the mandate in terms of, you know, the, the, the government is honestly not doing the right thing and there's so much divisiveness so i had very formed opinions you know about about things um and that i feel sort of affected my uh what do you call that mental wellness i mean in, in terms of my thought process in terms of us versus them in terms of all this wrong that's going on and there's a lot of truth to that but then i realized you know what everyone's trying to do their best with what they have that's what that was my realization you know you know interact with people based on where they are at and the and the conscious level that they have and the challenges that they have we don't even know what challenges people are going through right so you know there's a lot of divisiveness right now so for me it's like you know just try to understand where their person is coming from and uh, see where you can agree and if you don't agree then that's fine also mm. you don't have to not be friends with somebody if you don't agree with them right because uh, otherwise you'll not have any friends at all <laughs> I know, right? I know. I thank you for yeah. I totally agree. I think it's so interesting that we like it feels like we can't disagree on anything because yeah. I'm not. I don't even agree with everything on with my child or yeah. my husband or my exactly. with my parents. And that doesn't. Yeah, yeah we definitely need to learn, relearn to yeah. be able to disagree. So I love and I love. Thank you for bringing that um, sentiment that I also share. Yeah, on both of those, like a journey that I've had to go on as well. Yeah, so thank you. Um. Okay. Do you do you eat poutine? Poutine? Poutine, yeah. 
Do you not the it? not the pri- not the president of Russia, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, no, like the. I know, I know, I know. I'm just yeah, kidding. yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love Putin. Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, are you? Do you prefer the cheese curds or the shredded cheese? I've honestly not tried the shredded cheese. Oh, good. It's a waste curds. of your time. Okay. Good. It's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is also very because I know you topic. get better in Montreal, right? The, the actual protein, you, the best version you get in Montreal. So. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. I, I had it once when I was seventeen. I'd like to go back, but okay. but uh, yeah, okay, all right. The the cur- curds are my favorite. I always like to find out what people like. Okay. Um, if you could travel anywhere in the world for a meal, yeah. to eat something, yeah, where would you travel to, and what would you eat? Northern China. Have you, have you tried it? Northern have you tried China? the cuisine of Northern China? Like Beijing? Or I guess Beijing, yeah, but there are other parts as well. Okay. Have you tried? Like, I love Northern Chinese cuisine. Uh, I like Chinese cuisine also, but I love Northern Chinese cuisine because it's a little bit more spicier, more saltier, more wheat-based. A lot of, uh, you know, like uh, barbecue going on. It's, it's beautiful. So I'd love to go there and spend some time there, you know, traveling, having good food. Yeah, that's where I would go. Very cool. Love that. You spent your time in China, right? Yeah. Which part were you in? Oh, I have been to... I spent a lot of time um, just out, about an hour outside of Shanghai. Okay. And this was 15 years ago, the first time I went. And okay. so, like, a vastly different than... You know, sure I went... You. the la- And it, on, to be honest, it's been nine years since I've been back okay. again. Yeah. But between 2008, the first time I went, and 2012 or 13, the, sec- the third or fourth time I was there. Okay. Huge difference. Okay. But when I was there... so. Spent quite a bit of time in Shanghai, all in that surrounding area in Shanghai. Been to Beijing, Qingdao, Xi'an, yeah. Guangzhou, um, and then like a lot of smaller places in there. I've, I've been oh, lucky cool. enough to meet a lot of friends nice. um, over the years, and I get to go back and spend time with their families. And I, yeah, I really um, love the people in China and the culture and the cuisine. Like, I think it's so underrated. Yeah. Oh, because you're like the yeah the my, the Beijing hot pot versus the Shanghai hot pot hot right. hot pot and like the the Cantonese cuisine and yeah. uh, Sichuan flavor. Oh, I, Sichuan, I love, oh, I love yeah. Sichuan too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's a great yeah. yeah. Now I'm starving. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's great. Um, if you had a magic wand, what would you use your magic for? I would. I know. I mean, I would bring my mom back, right? <laughs> that's that's the only thing for me but i would do that and i would uh, build a nice big home so that my whole family could live there mm. yeah <laughs> very cool very yeah. cool um so where can people find you where's the best place that they can stay in touch with you yeah well uh, they can find me on instagram at my seven chakras uh, or they can write me an email aj at my seven chakras.com or they can visit my website again, my7chakras.com. Super simple. You can listen to podcasts. All of them are free. And they can join me uh, for breathwork. I'd love to see everyone in person. Well, not in person. At least your video camera might be on when you're on Zoom. But it would be good to connect with everyone who's interested in uh, experiencing breathwork. Wonderful. Oh my yeah. gosh, Aditya. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. So much. Oh. <laughs> there's nothing else just just thank you I have so much gratitude for everything you've shared thank you for an open conversation and uh, for all of us I know we're gonna take if we can just take away one or two little things from this conversation each person's life is gonna be infinitely better for that that 
I think this was the longest interview that I've been part of. I think we've gone past Joe Rogan as well. Joe Rogan is like, wait, I, how come you guys have gone beyond me? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to break it into lots of episodes, I promise. <laughs> nice, nice. I loved it. I loved every every minute of it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was definitely a long interview. <laughs> Take that, Joe Rogan. In all seriousness, I know there was a lot in these three episodes, from getting into flow, the role your nervous system plays, to a huge variety of modalities from breathwork, flotation, qigong, vedanta, ayurvedic oil baths, cold exposure, and a discussion on the cultural appropriation of these practices. And then, of course, Aditya sprinkled a whole lot of deep spiritual conversations and tidbits throughout, including perspectives on our purpose in on earth, how our guides and ancestors show up, modern parenting, life, and so much more. I hope that you enjoyed these episodes. I know it was a lot and I don't want you to get overwhelmed. So my invitation is for you to just take one or two pieces to integrate them and give them a try. Maybe you decide to try an Ayurvedic oil bath this weekend. Maybe do it with your lover. When you see a cold body of water this summer or this winter, challenge yourself to dive in. Or maybe start with just a 15-second cold rinse at the end of your shower. Make sure you check out Aditya's Breathwork. You'll see the link in the show notes to the free session, as well as all the other books and resources mentioned in these episodes. Finally, I invite you to just lean into trust. I'm a very ambitious, goal-oriented person, and if you're listening, you probably are too. While there is room for that and room to celebrate that in many parts of our lives, I also invite you to lean into the flow and trust when it comes to these ancient healing modalities. Look for the signs. Feel your internal pull and your intuition speaking to you about what to explore and adventure with. Trust that within you, there's a wisdom that you may not fully logically have available to you yet, but know that something here will serve you. Perhaps you're going to see another podcast episode about Qigong, or you'll see a flyer on your local telephone pole about a workshop and you decide to check it out. Maybe your woo-woo friend invites you to a breathwork full moon ceremony and you finally decide to say yes. Maybe you just seriously consider what it is in your life that gets you into flow, that state where you're present and challenged and fully activated, and you decide to intentionally create more of that in your life. Or maybe it's as bold as changing careers or as simple as painting and writing poetry one evening a week. As you're listening, I know that so many of you have struggled over the last few years. I know I certainly have. I believe we're at the beginning of a mental health crisis and around us, we're watching these systems and structures collapse rapidly. I certainly don't have all the answers, but I do deeply feel that at this juncture we're in, in our collective journey, that the more present, humble, aware, joyful, conscious, loving, and compassionate we can become, the better we will all be, and I think we need it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here on this journey. Thank you. Thank you for doing this work of becoming your best self. Our world needs it. Our world needs you. And you deserve to live the most incredible life possible. And I hope that this episode shared some new ideas to help you do just that. Wherever you're listening from, whenever it is, I wish you an amazing day and a beautiful life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.